the icons of real estate podcast. Are you ready to learn the proven money-making secrets from top producing icon agents? Ready to skyrocket your business? This podcast is for you. Tune in every week with your host, Tomasz Fonseca, and find out how to implement proven strategies to 10 times your business. From $3 million to $30 million in just 12 months. Brought to you by the Masters in Real Estate Marketing, Ardor SEO. Welcome to the Icons of Real Estate. I'm Tim Calloway. We have a very special guest for you today, uh, Matthias Baker Masucci. He is a realtor with Berkshire Hathaway Beverly Hills on the Sanborn team. Matthias, he actually focuses on probate, trust, and conservatorship real estate services. Um, welcome to the show, Matthias. How are you? I am doing very good. It's a pleasure to be here, Tim. Oh, fantastic. Love having you. Um, so, you know, let's let's do this. Let's just start at the beginning. Um, you know, you have quite an interesting backstory, you know, in doing my due diligence on, you know, on what you've done. Uh, tell us how you got started. Well, where you're from, that's the most interesting part there. And then, then how you got started and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I was born and raised in Italy. Uh, I came to the United States when I was 18, uh, which was 23 years ago. So uh, quite a, I consider myself an Angelino by now because I've been <laughs> right. there uh, yeah, a long time. Um, I came here for, I did not have a childhood dream to be a realtor. Right. As a child, actually, I wanted to be an archaeologist, but um, I I ended up um, coming here for an a, for a internship in the entertainment industry. Okay. And um, I worked for two years in the entertainment industry, and then as it is in Los Angeles, and then um, a few years after that, and then slowly uh, transitioned uh, into real estate in two thousand and four. Um, and, um, I've been in real estate ever since first, you know, like it wasn't a complete transition. It was like, I'm going to do a little bit, a little bit. And then slowly and slowly it became my, uh, my, uh, full-time job. Yeah. 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 A lot of folks, uh, it seems, you know, one of, one of the, the beautiful things and, and also one of the daggers of, of real estate is, um, you do, you can dip your toe in the water, right? I mean, you, you, yeah. can, you can try it a little bit. Um, but I think that also leads sometimes to a lot of failure for people who could be successful if they take that plunge, oh, you yeah, know, I, but, yeah, but sometimes you do it that way. And that's the best possible way to do it. Right. I mean, you, yeah. you, you get your feet wet and then, uh, you know, you get to make that decision. I talk to people, yeah. you know, four or five people a day, and I hear, I hear that story quite often. So Tell me about uh, that transition. Were you, were you an independent when you first started out? I know you went from the entertainment industry. You moved over. Yeah, to so theater. I worked. So the internship I came here to do was uh, with uh, director Gary Marshall. He's passed away since, but he was my mentor wow. and a great influence in my life. I worked directly. I was very blessed because, you know, no, not many people know that, but he was Italian. His last name was actually Masciarelli, not okay. Marshall. Uh, so... Um, he was a great, I mean, just to give you an idea, I, I you know, I, I don't remember, I arrived in LA and two days later, what I was doing was delivering um, script pages to Anne Hathaway mm -hmm. and Julie Andrews. That was, that's kind of like my, I always make that. And the first 
craft services. I mean, I know that if you're not in California, you're not going to think this is great, but it was in and out and Krispy Kreme. And I was like, okay, I could live with that. Hey, I could live with that. <laughs> let me tell you, buddy. I I I'm, I lived in Ventura for, for quite some time, which is, isn't Beverly Hills. Uh, but I also lived out in the West in Arizona for 10 years and Krispy Kreme and in and out Yeah, are, right. Are landmarks, you know. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the sure. transition into real estate happened really because um, I had friends um, who were um, actors. They still are actors. That because I was in the entertainment industry, they started investing. It was really cool in the early two thousands to start invest in purchasing apartment buildings. Yes. Um, and you know, one thing led to another, and somebody was like, "Hey, you're really good with numbers and things. Are you interested in managing an apartment building?" And I was like, "Hmm." Oh. That's an interesting question to ask somebody at a party, yeah. um, but only in Hollywood, right? And right. I was like, you know what, let me, I'll think about it. And then one thing led to another and, you know, I took on, you know, um, property management and then obviously, you know, worked with uh, investors that were active. So they acquired new properties, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, definitely. I started independent to answer your question. As an independent, I started representing um a, basically an investment trust and uh, um, I was uh, you know acting on behalf of the principal how you know it's a little bit different when you're in acquisition and 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 and, and management um, and then you know eventually transition and to the point of what we started this is like an important thing that I want to like I dip my toe in it slowly mm -hmm. but there's no chance of success in this business unless you dive a hundred percent and you have tunnel vision yes. like for me things really started clicking when I took it with the mentality of an athlete, even though I'm not an athlete, but like, I find it very inspiring to watch documentaries of people like who achieve great feet, you know, like in, in whatever sports they are, but the, the kind of dedication, you need that to, yes. at least in, in my market, in my business, you stand no choice, no chance of like success, unless you really become obsessed with, yes. with getting really good at what you're doing. It's really yeah. vital. It's really important. Yeah, that that well, I love that anecdote, uh, Matthias, because I don't think people realize. Um, I was I was speaking with with someone from Laguna Beach earlier today, and he was saying, you know, they don't realize really how hard this is, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I mean the the facade that sometimes Hollywood can yes. portray for a realtor is, hey, I just get a listing and I sell a ten million dollar home and I'm scot free. And it doesn't yeah. work like that, right? I mean, yeah, not at all. You, you you have to learn so many facets, and I'll let you expound on that. But negotiation <laughs> skills, and you know, and how to how to actually yeah. set a home, and how to draw people. It's different than selling a a a, a box home, you know, in in say Middle America anywhere for for three four hundred thousand. Yeah, I mean, you know, the price range definitely has a has an effect of what the client's expectations are. Yes. Um, but something that I've noticed is that, like, even if you don't take care of every aspect of your business, you should know how to handle every aspect of your business. It's really important. Like, a lot of agent, you know, it's perfectly. You should have a transaction coordinator. You should have, yes. you know, uh, an admin. You should have a listing administrator. You should have a, a runner. You should have a showing agent. God bless you if you can have all of them. <laughs> right. Until you do, until okay. you do, you better be know knowing these things in and out and be able to handle them yourself. Yeah. Um, I don't think people should get bogged down into doing everything single um, uh, a step of the transaction, but you should know about it because it's going to be. 
that kind of expertise serves your client very well. You know, I mean, right. in my state, in California, we have the, just like in every state, you know, we have, you know, the, the residential purchase agreement. Yes. And one thing I do, I do it to this day. It's no joke. I read the residential purchase agreement once a year. Oh. I know that's kind of silly, but no. you sit down yeah. and my wife looks at me across the bat and she goes, you are just obsessed with this stuff aren't you and i said yes yes you know you just you you read it and and you familiarize yourself with little little nuances which are called upon in transactions all the time sure you know and people who are in the business a long time have a tendency to forget that yeah that that's fantastic you know um so was that the impetus you know looking for and i'm going to just for lack of a a better phrase um you know, the team aspect. I know you joined uh, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, yeah. Beverly Hills, the Sanborn team. Was that really, is that kind of the impetus for it is you were looking for that that broader swath of professionals who had the same goals in mind? Yeah, I think so. So my story is that first I was in the Los Feliz office at Berkshire Hathaway. And then, you know, as it is with all big corporations and 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 I am I'm really happy with the brokerage I'm with, but they had to downsize. So they closed oh. the Los Feliz office. And one of the options they gave us, I mean, obviously, you know, they, they give you, you know, do whatever you want. You can leave yeah. and, and et cetera. You know how right. brokerages are. But they say, you know, you can either go to the Pasadena office, which is further, you know, east, or you can go west. And I'd already thought about going west in general. You know, that was already one of my point. I've lived for 14 years in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. And my wife was starting to say, you know, these ain't the best neighborhood to raise our kids. And when you're a single guy living in Hollywood, it's great to be, it's you know, place down to the be, street, man. <laughs> up the street from the clubs, up right. the street. It was great. And you then go down point, and there you go. Yeah. And then at some yeah. point you have, you have kids and your wife is thinking, you know, uh, drunken people sleeping on the streets outside our house. It's not probably the best scenario. <laughs> so I was already, I was already half moving West. Yeah. And then it all happened at the same time. And then, you know, yes. And, and just joining the team happened um, sort of serendipitously. If you, if you, um, I'll try to shorten the story, but um, when I first joined Berkshire Hathaway, they don't do that anymore, but this is actually really, it's uh, if anybody that runs a brokerage is, is interested in this, this is a really good thing that they did. They had top perform, top producing agents teach each one of the classes when they put you in through the, um, when they onboard you for the, right. for the brokerage. Right. So I got to meet in every single office, there's a top producer and I got to meet all the top producers. And when Nancy Sanborn, which is, you know, my team lead now, yes. uh, walked in, um, one of the things she said, I am from the Beverly Hills office, uh, but that's just an address, not a state of mind. Uh-huh. Okay. So she was, she was making a point about, you know, like the 90210 TV shows, yeah, yeah. how Beverly, she was very Grounded. humble and yeah. very humble and down to earth. So when I moved to Beverly Hills, one day she just came up to me and, and, and I, I, I remembered her. We had actually tried to do a deal. Uh, I had reached out to her about an apartment building she had for sale before and and uh, just came up to me and said, what do you think about joining a team? And it never really occurred to me, even though I thought it would be a good idea because I've always been the lone ranger in my life, yeah. you know, like until, and I have to say that, you know, adjusting to the team culture and all of that has been very helpful. And then, you know, becoming a partner now, you know, we have just, you know, three of us are, are partners with in, in the team. It's been, um, it's been definitely shaping my business and it's been helping me become um, more aware of myself, I should say, mm-hmm. less impulsive because you have partners to account for. 
to right. account to, you know, to, to, to answer to, you know, and, and accountability. Try to make, yeah. Yeah. Try to make all decisions. Um, I mean, I am addicted to work. I don't know if, you know, so I do work all the time. That's one thing. Yeah. Um, and even, even helping the other way, like, you know, like you have partners where they can say like, look, take the weekend off. Like, I mean, you know, I just for your listeners, they may get a kick out of this if they're real estate professionals. In 2019, prior to the lockdown, I did 54 open houses in oh. one year, 2019. Wow. So there's 52 weeks in a year. So I did Wait, more. Yeah. Quick more math. Than, so, yeah. <laughs> so there's more than, than the weeks in a year because sometimes I would do Saturday, wow. right? Yeah. Some weekends I skip. And that really being in front of so many people, it's really, really helpful. And and I do like this year, I'm probably going to do like 35 when, by the time the year is over, it's probably gonna be 35, 40 open houses. Um, for me, that's, that's great. You know, cause you have a percentage, yeah. you know, of turn of how many people you have to meet before you convert. Right. We yeah. all have that number. Sure. Um, and so <clears throat> the more the merrier, I guess, in that sense. So, yeah. How let me ask you this, and this is a, not the direction I was originally going to go, but since you told that great story uh, about the volume of open houses, uh, when you do that kind of volume, how are you getting people to the open house? And, and is it, you know, is it just because the market's so uh, vibrant that, you know, it's kind of like build it and they will come? Or is it you've got a system in place to get them there? And I'm just curious. It's more. Curious. Yeah, no, no. It's a very it's a great question. Um 2021, 2020, half of 2020 and 2019 was built it and they come. I mean, we are very aggressive with our pricing. We don't, one thing that, you know, if I, if I can um, give the advice um, is, you know, don't chase the market, don't chase yeah. it up and don't chase it down. Don't chase it up and don't chase it down. So we never try, we, we try to be very aggressive with our pricing and we have built enough, um, confidence into our clients that they listen to us um and we try not to buy listings you know like because you know if somebody's having multiple listing appointments and a house it's worth i don't know i'll throw in it's just like number five million and yeah. somebody goes in and an agent says i could get you seven million for your house well that's a bit dishonest number one sure and that's kind of like what we call like buying the listing and and you know we never do that we never yeah. do that we always say like look pricing for us is just a marketing tool Nobody knows what the market value of your property is until you find an arm's length transaction with somebody that's willing to pay the money that yeah. you're willing to, you know, nobody knows. People don't understand the difference between appraisal, um, mm -hmm. market value, right. and, you know, the, and, 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 the, and the price that you, that you put, you know, the listing price. They're different right. things. An appraisal, a listing price, and market value are three different things. If you can educate your client to understand the difference between the three, it will make your life so much easier. Yeah, so much sure. easier. I think transparency is paramount, you know, and, yeah. and that's the only way you build a, a proper rep reputation. So let's segue that into kind of what your specialty is, probate. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about that. First, how did you get into that area of real estate? And then, you know, talk a little bit about the functionality of it. So my partner's... Nancy, my partner, she's been doing it uh, for the since the eighties, and you know Brian, my other partner, he's been doing it since the early two thousands. Um, it, it's a big spoke of our business. I would say maybe seventy to eighty percent of our business comes from from trust and probate. Um, it happened uh, organically in my case because they were already doing trust and probate transactions, and I kind of follow followed the 
how you go about, you know, developing uh, the skills necessary to do trust and probate. Um, and basically, when you do trust and probate, your business generally has to be a B2B kind of business, meaning that mm-hmm. other trusted advisors will refer business to you. So we're talking about probate attorney, estate planning attorney, professional fiduciaries, successor trustees, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the people that seek out um, real estate professionals who know how to sell assets to trust and probate. Um, the mechanics can get quite complicated. You know, some of the right. sales need to be confirmed in court. So you have to do everything that is necessary so that the judge will approve the sale. Um, I always used to make the joke. Now it's no longer the case as much, but I used to make the joke when I met an attorney. I was like, I bet I spend more time in court than you do. Because uh, <laughs> unless you're a probate litigator, you know, estate planning attorneys don't really go to court they're, that they much. They don't even have to go to court, right? Yeah. And, and you know, on the other hand, you know, we, you know when we do 30, 40 uh, court-confirmed sales a year, you know, we got to be in court for each one of them. Sure. Um, so we spend a lot of time going downtown LA and, and, and um, confirming the sales. And there's just a lot of nuances that you have to do to protect. A mitigating risk is very important in what I do because some of these sellers, I mean, if it's a professional fiduciary, they, they have never lived in the house. Right. They've never lived in the piece of real estate. They don't know anything about it. Um, and they're just doing their job to get the most money for the beneficiaries, whoever yeah. may benefit from the estate. Sometimes the you know because of the market that I'm in, you know, there's very large estates in Beverly Hills and, and, and you know, in all of Los Angeles, for that matter. And mm-hmm. some of these and some of these estates have a lot of money that's going to charity, you know, a yeah. lot of. So you have to, like, you know, make sure that um, you're doing the best for um, for the client, which, you know, which which is the seller itself, the beneficiary of the estate, who is whoever is getting the money sometimes. I mean, you know. Tim, I could tell you stories of, you know, having to track people who inherit money. They don't even know, you know, like oh, sometimes yeah. the public, the public administrator has to look for somebody who has, who is connected the next of kin to the seller. And, and it, you know, these people, like somebody lives in Brazil, they never heard of the person and yeah. end up inheriting, you know, a million dollars. I mean, that's, you know, that stuff happens. Any day that's going to happen to me, Matthias. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's the spirit. That's the spirit. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I was gonna bring that up is you know the majority of fiduciaries and and you know beneficiaries probably don't even live in California or right. if they do yeah. they're they're not in Los Angeles and probably certainly not Beverly Hills or you know you would you probably wouldn't even be part of it um, you know because the fiduciary would be right there and so would the uh, beneficiary so how is it dealing with out of state uh, you know uh, I, I guess some of the fiduciaries are, are there in state. But when you have to deal with the beneficiary who, say, might be still in New York or down here right. in Florida, how does that work for you guys? And is that a logistical nightmare, or do you, you know, is there something? You know, play? thank you for to the, for the from the pan, the lockdown and the pandemic somehow helped us, you know, with Zoom and yeah, things that before we had to do over the phone. Now it's easy to you know to share a screen and show them the offers that come in and and set up more of a rapport um, from people who are out of state. Um, Generally speaking, a lot of the the larger estates generally have a they retain um, an, a law office which is in the vicinity of the property. So it would be like you know a firm that it's in Los Angeles. We have seen successor. We see this you know quite frequently. Um, 
somebody lives in New Hampshire, you know, and they are, you know, they, they are the, they, they could be the adult children of, of the person who passed. And, you know, they, they you know, they no longer live in, in Los Angeles and whatnot. So for us, um, when it comes to dealing with somebody who is remote, it's very, communication is key. Yes. And, you know, we have the technology to do that now. We have the technology to, um, to take pictures and share photos. Look, the house has been cleaned. You know, um, we put a lockbox over here. You know, of, these are just, you know, like simple example, but the, the ivy was cut, the tree was removed. You know, like right. now it's like this. All of those things, we take advantage of technology to make people um, feel uh, like they are, like there's no, there's not much of a distance. And one thing that I've learned during my career is that it's not enough to work really hard for your clients. You also have to let them know that you're working yes. really hard. I know this sounds, um, I hope it comes across the right way, but you gotta let, like, you gotta let know, you gotta let the seller know what you're doing because a lot of what we do is automatic and it happens in the background yeah. and they're not aware of it. You know, they think it's magic. Right. So, yeah. so you gotta, you gotta let them know what you're doing to, to mitigate the risk, to make things, um, <clears throat> easier and 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 to basically you know see the process through to a successful completion essentially do most of the beneficiaries um, matthias do, do most of the beneficiaries uh just want a quick sell i mean is that is that a big part of it i mean I, it, it depends yeah. it depends by the amount of emotion that's involved so um a trust department, uh, you know, who is in charge, they have an obligation, obviously, a fiduciary obligation to get the most possible money, however they go about it. And you have to remember this, this is another aspect that's very important. Um, they also have to protect themselves if somebody comes back and says, look, years later, it says, did you make an effort? Did you make enough of an effort to get the most money? Um, hmm. They want a simple transaction. That's what they want. They all yeah. want a simple transaction. Makes it depends sense. by the amount of emotion that's involved. Like a lot of the of the single family residents we sell, um, the successor trustee, the most common, is an adult child of the person, you know, of the parent who passed away. Yes. So a lot of these people grew up in the house. So they have an emotional attachment in that sense. It's the home they grew up in, yeah. you know. Um when we deal more with attorneys or professional fiduciaries who have been hired, either appointed by the court or 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 hired by um, by the estate, um, generally speaking, they they do want to see, uh, you know, they want proof of marketing. They want they they want exposure. Something that I that we do that is unique, and and you know, if we price aggressively, chances are somebody will call, you know, within forty five minutes of going on the market. Wow, and say. Um, you know, I have an offer right now. Can you take it off the market if I send you this offer for this amount? And our answer is no, almost always. We want to give a property exposure. Now, this is the type of market where you can do that, you know, like, yeah. and, and we we want to keep a property on the market and make sure it has exposure so we can show the court and we show we can show our clients all the efforts that have been made, you know, the digital ads, you know, you yes. name it, that, that have been, the open houses, the brokers open, the all the efforts that has been made to market the property to as many people as possible. So we have a we we do that, and that's important. So a quick sale is very rarely the case. There are cases where you really need to close fast. The estate has no money. There is a reverse mortgage. Wow. You gotta get this thing sold, yeah. sold, and you gotta get it sold fast. We right. deal with those situations. They are very 
they are, they depend on circumstances. And when they do happen, um, we act accordingly. We know, we know how fast they need to, but, but we still do everything we can to get. Yeah, you you kind of still have to go through all those processes just in an expeditious sort of way. Right. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Exactly. Wow. Well, hey, that's been some eye-opening stuff. You know, I, you know, I, I, I talk to different areas of, of the country uh, and some other folks that do probate, and there's there's a different story everywhere you go. Oh, you know, but it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we're, we're kind of winding down. And I want to give you the last word, you know, if there's anything that uh, you'd like to say or, or, you know, anything that we didn't cover, uh, I'll let you have the floor. Well, I mean, you know, I guess we didn't cover the fact that I got four kids. And I'm oh, doing all of <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. My my uh, biggest achievement in life would be uh, it's definitely fatherhood, being a father, yes. juggling my life as a as a as a broker yeah. and and as a father. It's been it's been quite the adventure. My kids are very young. They're six, four, two, and four months. So they're all very like oh, um, oh yeah. man, those are good we times. Have, I so whenever I'm not I'm not a glamorous Beverly Hills real estate agent, I change right. poopy diapers. Ooh. And that's you know, the real stuff. Yeah, that's the real stuff. So so that's been that's been, you know, like a, definitely a journey. It's forced me to grow up as a as a to grow as a person. And that in is inevitably um helped um my business and something that my children have taught me inadvertently. Because they, there wasn't their intention to Not teach like it, to know. Me, but, you, yeah. but you have no choice. Is that I've learned to focus on the important and not the urgent. Because if you if you just start chasing, you know, trying to put out fires all the time and things like yeah. that, there's a lot of urgent things that come on your desk that really do not deserve your attention. And that's really shown because with with my kids, I have to be very careful how I use my time. So I wake up really early in the morning because they wake up around 6.30, almost like inevitably. They have like an yes. internal clock, 6.30, they're up. So I wake up around 4. So between 4 and 6.30, it's my time. That's my time to get my my day started. Then we wake up at 6.30. I'm a dad and right. I make, help my wife make breakfast, et cetera. I drive him to school, which is something that I will never lose because it gives me an opportunity to spend time with them yeah um and then you know nine nine eight forty five i'm i'm in the office so eight forty five nine o'clock so yeah i guess uh when people say you know how do you balance personal life and and uh and business it's you know it's kind of meticulous scheduling yeah there isn't really i don't know if it's called a balance but it's just like it, you know I, you got to schedule everything yeah i i definitely i no longer call it a balance and and you and i are kindred spirits i have four children as well oh that's wonderful yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> Uh, but, but mine are, but I'm going to, I'll give you advice, Matthias. Um, yes, mine, please. Mine are much older and I am much older than you. Um, and all of mine range from 29 to down to 22. Okay. So, and they're all men, all young men. Oh, and, uh, or, yeah. And, um, he, you know, I think they said it in a song, you know, there was a song a long time ago that said, uh, it was, it was like a country song or something, but you're going to miss this. And, and, and so, you know, take the time that, you know, those drives to school and those cherished times that you really get to spend with them and really soak it in and enjoy it, you know, um, because you will start missing it, you know, and, and now I'm, 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 I'm praying for the grandkids, right? Because I want to, <laughs> I want to awesome. go change poopy diapers again, is what it sounds, 
I want I want to get to that granular level with children again. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be a father. I commend you on it. But it's not a um, what do we say a balance? I call it just an integration. Right, right. right. Good it's, point. Yeah, it's just another part of your life that that, that we handle. And, uh, you know, it uh, sounds like you're doing a great job at it. Now, Matias, how do we get in touch with you if someone wants to contact you? Maybe they have some probate issues uh, out your way, or maybe they just want to, you know, pick your brain or something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm always available, uh, you know, and whether it's probate or standard sale in, in Los Angeles County, um, I really, really pride myself on the quality of jobs. So you can always reach me, uh, uh, my Phone number is 310-776-5145. That's my business line, but you can text it as well. Um, and, you know, if you want, the best way to keep in touch with me is through Instagram, at Matthias Broker, at Matthias Broker, M-A-T-I-A-S, and the word broker, all, all, all without spaces. That's really a good way to keep in touch with me because on my Instagram, I share about, you know, a lot about my life, a lot about my kids. Nice. It's not just about the transaction. It's not, you'll never see me just do, you know, like the glamorous thing that uh, a lot of um, agents in my market may do, just sold, just listed, look at this fabulous marble right. countertop, things like that. Right. Um, so I'm very approachable. And if anybody does need help, even if they're agents and there's, you know, they're, they have no, just want to pick my brain or anything, please feel free to reach out to me. I love to hear from people. And and my email is mm at everyla.com, E-V-E-R-Y-L-A.com. Got it. Matthias, thanks so much for your time today. We've enjoyed yeah. you on the show and I, I really uh, like the opportunity to maybe talk to you again sometime. Absolutely. I would love it. Thank you so much for reaching out. It's been a pleasure. Tim, I, I'm so glad you have four kids too. You know, that's amazing. Like, I know. You know they're a different phase in, in their life, but you right. went through it. You went, you, you, they, they, they were all under 10 at some point. <laughs> and they were. I, they, you know, my kids were, uh, you know, they, I guess they call them a stepladder or, you know, they were just like two by two by two, you know, every yeah, two yeah. years. My, my poor wife, I, I got married in 1992 uh -huh. and, um, and we had kids up until 2000 and wow, she's like do you awesome. do you realize and she throws <laughs> this at me i was pregnant for through all, the 90s all the uh, 90s <laughs> you know other than the first two years before we were even married you know and yeah she's that like, is I awesome was constantly pregnant yeah. and i was like yeah <laughs> yeah. that is awesome i'm thinking what what do i say thank you yeah well, that's yeah. all you can say thank you yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, let me, let me just say, let me just yeah. say, let me thank you. Thank you for doing this because, you know, our, our industry um, is definitely, for me, in my experience, has been an industry of giving. You know, real estate agents, have, I found that when you're humble and you just reach out to people and, and uh, it's been, so thank you for highlighting, you know, people who are doing well in the business because, it's uh, mentorship and that kind of process has been so important. And and I love real estate podcasts. I love to listen to um, to other agents' experiences because they're all different. Sure. And I always take something away from it that makes my business a little better. So I hope that I've I've given Fantastic. something that other agents can use, and I will adjust as much as I take. <laughs> so oh, yeah. for sure, for sure. Hey, maybe we should start the uh, Fathers of Four podcast. D beautiful, five. <laughs> Fathers of four.
Tonight it's <laughs> there. You go. We should put out put it out and see how many we can find. Hey, how many people I, we can I'll, find. I'll I'll bet you a lunch uh, that there'll be people who'd listen for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Mateus, have a great rest of the week. Uh, Thank like, you. Like I said, I look forward to talking to you again and, and absolutely enjoying and and bless you. This has been a pleasure. Yes. Thank you. Okay, Tim. buddy. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. Bye.